Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app or on Five Reasons YouTube. We're also on Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and we're on Dash Radio every single weeknight at 7 p.m. I mentioned Five Reasons YouTube. Make sure you hit subscribe. You get all of our streams, including before floor, an hour before every Heat playoff game and post up 5R as soon as the game ends and the content on all the other Miami teams and FiveReasonsSports.com. Make sure you spell that one out and you'll get no paywall content. We do not charge you like the newspapers. You will get it there on FiveReasonsSports.com. We do want to tell you about the sponsor of this episode. It's our friends over at Water Cleanup of Florida. If you're a South Florida property owner with an insurance claim, you're dealing with water mold or fire damage, reach out to Michael Robert and the rest of the team at Water Cleanup of Florida. They understand the impact and stress that an unexpected disaster may cause. Licensed building contractor. They provide A to C service and one-stop shopping that busy homeowners and business owners require, and they'll make the cleanup and insurance claim process painless and hassle-free. So reach out to Michael. No need to bring in under contract other contractors. They'll handle it all for you. 954-579-0356. Based in Boca, but they service all the counties down here. And again, you can find them at watercleanupoflorida.com. And now, today's episode. Down to Biscay. Yay. Uh, five on the floor. Ride for my dogs. Where here's the thing. You can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars. Wearing bubble frogs. Just like Buck said, you in trouble, y'all. Kept the floor playing. Got an all band. Y'all seen the block. Stop with one hand. Impact with trust. It's power, have the guts. We're here to bring the heat. Y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. Our Ethan Skolnick back on our podcast apps and on the Five Reasons YouTube channel. We've got a special guest again. He joined us uh, before the playoffs started, and now we're actually in round two. It's Norris Cole, two-time champion here in the States, obviously with the Miami Heat. Too many times to count champion overseas. So we've caught him here. Uh, I guess, what is it? 1045. Uh, where are you right now? I was, where in the world is Norris Cole? This is our new game. I'm in, I'm in France right now. I'm in Bergenbrist, France. Oh, look at that. All right. Are you going to speak French? How, let me ask you this before we get to this other stuff. Alex Toledo is with us as well as I go through the floor plan today. So Alex will be asking some questions. How many languages you speak now? How many languages can you get buy-in? Um, it's funny. I don't really speak any of the languages, but when I'm here, I learn like conversational things. Mm-hmm. And then once I leave, I forget them because you don't practice. <laughs> these, are, these are languages that, you know, you have to practice every day. So I know like the basics, you know, how to say thank you, hello, or excuse me, you know, things that can get me by everywhere I go. I learn those things. And then once I leave, you know, they, they leave me, but Spanish never kind of leaves because I, you know, being in Miami and learning it in school. Uh, French is a tough language to learn, um, but some of the things are close to Spanish. So anything that's close to Spanish, the words, 
you know, I know a little bit. Hebrew is impossible because they're the only one, you know, out there in um, Israel. Those are the only people who speak Hebrew. No one else speaks Hebrew. So that's like a code. If you can speak Hebrew, you you know the ultimate code. <laughs> I was bar that- mitzvah, Norris, but I didn't learn Hebrew either. I, I had oh. to, uh, no, I, I, well, it, it, there's two steps with Hebrew. It's just like my, my daughter's learning Mandarin. She's behind me right now. And there, th- with those languages, there's two steps because it, it's translation, but it's also transliteration because you've got the, you, ha- you have to be able to, the letters are different. It's not just yeah. like, by comparison, Spanish or Italian are easy, uh, you know, but uh, th- those, those are a little bit hard. So you're not sitting there in the back of an Uber. I, I don't know what they have over there, over there. I don't know if they have Ubers or not. You're not in the they back of, you know, they do. Okay. So, so they're like on the Google translate app, like you're not just like plug, oh, you- Google translate is always readily available at hand. always all right we're going to try to get you to translate some of the stuff that's going on in this series the heater up 2-0 going into game three in philadelphia playing up there on friday night kyle lowry uh the news today kyle lowry is upgraded to questionable i'm still not sure that he's going to play the whole rest of the team is listed as questionable but they all will play and of course joel Embiid is questionable uh and that one's a little bit more up in the air since according to reports uh, chris haynes and others he, could, he just was able to start reading his phone uh, a day ago. So I don't know whether or not he can go. So I'm, I'm going to start, start here with you on this. Um, I don't know if you've encountered any series where you kind of, you were going into it expecting to maybe play one type of team, but then because of an absence, a team played a different way. And, and I guess in, in that light, have you ever experienced that? And what, what, and what do you think of the job the Heat have done in the first two games, kind of adjusting to obviously a team that, you know, looks very different without an MVP candidate? Well, I've, I've experienced it, I believe, once, but not in the playoffs. I, I remember one game, um, Derrick Rose was supposed to come back and play, but didn't play. And I think uh, John Lucas ended up playing the third. And, um, you know, he had a really, really good game against us. And, that was one of the times I had learned in the NBA, you know, you never can, you know, let down. You always have to stay ready and stay intense because obviously the game plan for Derrick Rose was a little different. And so when we found out he didn't play, it was kind of a letdown. And, man, John Lucas kicked our, you know, he kicked our butt out there. So one thing about the Heat that I love with Spo, he had them on the edge. You can tell they're still playing with the edge, whether Embiid is playing or not. And even though Harden is not looking like himself, Spo's still giving him the respect, you know, playing with two and three guys with the eye on him, you know, making sure he has a lot of bodies to go through. And um, that's kind of, you know, championship DNA. That's part of heat, you know, heat culture, being ready no matter what. And as far as Philadelphia is concerned, it's tough because you're talking about your MVP, you're talking about your leading scorer, leading rebounder, the anchor to your defense. And so I, it's it's hard for any team to overcome all three of those things, your best rebounder, your best scorer, and your best defender all in one. It's hard to overcome that. And the Heat are doing exactly what you're supposed to do. You know, you take advantage of, of that. Before, so, Alex, before Alex jumps in, I just got one question. That's not the game that John Lucas got dunked on by LeBron, right? Like, it's not, that's not the no, same game. It was, in, it was in Chicago when they, okay. when they <laughs> killed us. Yeah. I, I think that's how, that's Heat fans' reference to John Lucas. I think in a lot of I know he was uh, in training camp and all the rest of that. But. I remember that, but I remember personally the game where he had that good game because you know I was part of it. So it was you know that kind of that kind of hurt me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, so you were talking about game plans there and how, you know, kind of going into a game, uh, how how much it could change when you're, you know, kind of getting ready for one sort of attack and it's a completely different look. And that's obviously what's happened in this series. And just speaking of defensive game plans in general, the last time we spoke to you was, I believe, after game one of the Atlanta series. You, you were talking about how, you know, it was really impressive what the Heat were doing, but that those guys weren't going to shoot that poorly again. And, you know, they... They did it individually, right? Like Trey and Bogdan, I, I don't think they had worse shooting games than they did in game one. But at, for the series, obviously, the Heat's game plan won out. They're doing something kind of similar now with Embiid out where they can kind of key in on Harden, Maxi, And they're even letting Harris just kind of get going too. Like they're not necessarily showing him too many bodies. But on the perimeter with the backcourt, he's kind of showing a similar game plan, you know, with a couple of things uh, thrown in. Like he, he threw in the a lot of zone last game. In game one, he threw in a lot of full-court press. So he'll throw in a couple of things there, but he has stuck to that game plan. And I wanted to know what you think as far as how much that game plan would change if Embiid were playing, because he may or may not be playing next game, may or may not be playing in game four. And do you think they would still be able to do what they're doing on the perimeter if you had to also key in on Embiid? Uh, I believe the game plan would be totally different um, with Embiid because there's no way that you would be able to be in that great a help side position on James Harden on the ball with Joel Embiid on the backside by the basket or in the pick and roll, roll into the basket. You, there's no way you would want to have guards switching out on Joel Embiid. There's no, you know, they almost go into like a matchup zone. When you see Harden has the ball at the top of the key, the next player, even if his player cuts, he stays in his position and the guy behind him picks him up. It's like almost like a matchup zone. There's no way you would almost, you would no way be able to do that, you know, with Joel Embiid out there because of his ability to score from post up, mid post, three point, pick and roll, pick and pop. You know, he's too lethal. But with him not being out there, and you know, James Harden is, you know, I mean, Maxi has shown a little bit, but James Harden normally is the guy who can, score 30, 40, 50 points. The other guys, you know, they can score 20 or 30, but you know, it's not going to be enough. And that's exactly the game plan. They're, you know, they're letting those guys play one-on-one, -on -one, but they're focusing on Harden at the top of the key, making sure that he doesn't get going. Because if he gets going, he's going to create not just points, but assists. You understand Harden is one of the leaders in the league in assists as well. And so the Sixers are kind of giving the same look Atlanta gave, you know, James Harden at the top of the key. The whole defense is looking at him. It's hard for one man to score on a defense, you know, when you're at the top of the key, everybody can find you. And he hasn't shown that he can play off the ball or cut. And so he's made it kind of easy for the Heat. I was going to follow on that because that's all the conversation here, you know, on, on the big channels. It's not about the Heat, of course, because they don't know how to talk about the Heat. <laughs> there's this, there's this to be, as we talked about in the last episode we did with you, there's just no drama with this team. It's, it's not like your big three team and all that where they right. send 65 reporters down here. Um, that I don't think they can pronounce Struess's name correctly at this point, um, or even Gabe <laughs> Vincent's for that matter. But but all the conversation is about Harden. And and I, I know what you said at the beginning, that Spo is showing him the proper respect. I wonder when that turns, though, because, I mean, James has scored 30 just one time since he's gotten to Philadelphia. And he hasn't attempted 20 shots in a game, which, like, for James Harden in Houston, that's a half. Um, and, and just watching him yesterday, it's a lot of, like you said, he's it's, it's dribbles up stops passes standing there for eight seconds no movement no cutting no nothing he's just sort of 
waiting for other guys to do things. I mean, he, he honestly, Norris looks like a shell of the player that he was. So at, at what point do you not, I mean, is it when MB comes back that, okay, okay. Now the focus is going to, even with the mask, even with the thumb problem, the focus goes to him. Like how long do you show that respect to him? If he hasn't really done anything in the last, I don't know, six weeks to, to warrant that. You, you keep doing it because it's not about James Harden. It's about you winning and establishing your, your pace, your style of play. So, no, you keep doing it because, as you can see, Philadelphia, you know, they can't score enough. They can't get in any type of rhythm. So you keep doing it. And, like I said, it's not so much about James Harden at that point. It's about the Heat being themselves and being, you know, the most conditioned, nastiest team out there. You know the, the Pat Riley saying, and that's what they're showing. Um, but when Embiid comes back, obviously that's going to change. I mean, it has no choice but to change uh, because Embiid is a guy who can – dominate a whole game if you don't give him the proper respect if you let him play one-on-one you know if you let him have free rolls to the basket if you don't have you know two or three guys in help position and beat is a guy who can destroy you because you know he's he's mvp caliber at this point in time in his career so uh speaking of Embiid, like i know i kind of asked something similar but i would want to hear your perspective on what they would do if Embiid were playing. So we already went over how they wouldn't be able to kind of run the same stuff that they're doing now defensively uh, on Harden and a little bit on Maxi. Uh, but, you know, he they're not necessarily focusing on him as much as Harden, like you said. But uh, if he were to come back game three, game four, whenever it comes back, what would be your best guess to how they would shift the defense? Because you already said you can't run, you can't go one-on-one versus him. Even if, you know, we all think Bam is one of the best defenders in the league, it's still uh, kind of risky to maybe put him in foul trouble and just get him in, places where he might be a little vulnerable because Embiid is just that good, right? But if you're setting up, a, if you're guessing what Spo was set up as a team defense, what would the help defense principles be on Embiid and on Harden? Like, would you still be able to send some help at Harden, even if it wouldn't be as much as they're doing now? Uh, what would be your best guess in general of how Spo would, would handle this? Well, first thing would be to test Embiid's conditioning. So offensively, you would pay with pace to make Embiid have to run back and then put him in actions while Embiid's on defense to check his condition and, you know, kind of take his legs away a little bit, make him defend. And then when they get down on offense, you know, when he catches the ball, make sure he sees bodies. Make sure he doesn't catch, turn, and see one-on-one with lanes to be able to put the ball down and makes his move. You know, make sure he has a hand there, you know, you have a hand there in the passing lane so that every time he makes his move, turns, attacks the basket, he has to see bodies. not turn around and see one defender because really he doesn't see the one defender on him, you know? So that's one thing. And then two, when Harden has the ball, if Joel Embiid is in pick and roll situations, the help side is going to help for sure. And it's going to force Embiid to catch the ball and have to make passes. Now, if the Sixers are making the shots, it becomes more of a series. But if the, if not, the Heat continue doing what they do. You know, when they have the pick and roll, make sure the low man is in p- proper position, and then you X out on the, on the kickout passes, and, which is a totally different than what they're doing now, obviously. But the fact that they've been able to play so many styles this year should help oh. them. I, I, th- this, is, this is where the deep roster, you know, really, really is impactful. I, I want to switch to the offense 
with you in a second um, and, and what they're doing there. Cause I have a very specific question. I think that ties into some of what you experienced with them uh, before I do, I do want to mention prizepicks.com. That's our official fantasy sponsor. Use the code five F I V E get your initial deposit matched up to hundred dollars. You don't need to play it all at once. You can play NBA, NHL, MLB, all of the other sports mixed players from different teams. And of course, if you just want to play a bunch of heat guys, you can do that too. We had a ton of signups yesterday. So use the code five F I V E that's at prizepicks.com. Again, that code will get you a bonus up to $100. Um, I want to get to the offense, too, because we saw a big difference between games one and game two in this sense. Um, I was not comfortable after watching game one with the minutes uh, that Butler, Hero, and Oladipo played together. It, It looked like three guys trying to figure out when to go, when not to go, who was on the ball, who was off the ball. Um, and then I was made to look really stupid in game two because it looked terrific. And I, you know, in 48 hours. And then, you know, I asked Bo about it yesterday and he's like, this is something we've been working on for a long time. And, and, and I think so it leads to a couple of questions here with you, because you you I want to get to the whole, you know, with you and, and Rio and Dwayne and LeBron, guys who were used to having the ball in their hands, how you guys sort of let's start there. H- how did that process work? with all of you guys when, when you shared the floor and, and knowing, you know, who was supposed to handle, who wasn't supposed to handle, who was going to play off the ball. Cause that first year when you weren't there, it, it looked clunky at times, honestly, the, you know, with, with LeBron and Dwayne, it took time that led to the whole nine and eight start. And there are two, you know, two of the top 50 players of all time. And arguably in one, in the case of one, maybe one of the top two players of all time. All right. uh, so I, but I'm, I'm just curious, like how, how that process works. And do you think that those three guys, Butler, Oladipo and hero, cause it looks like suppose setting that up like that is, he wants to get those guys out there together. And now Kyle's going to be injected into the mix here at some point too. Like, how does that work? Well, one suppose sees the big picture, you know, they're, they're playing for the championship. And if you're going to win the championship, you're going to go against dynamic backcourts like Jason Tatum, Marcus smart, and Jalen Brown or, you know, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, Giannis, you know, and then you add in uh, uh, Wesley Matthew or Pat Connaughton. So you got to be able to match up with those guys, not just defensively, but offensively, you got to be able to go at them. And then bigger, bigger picture, Phoenix, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Crawford, and then they have the young fella that's coming off the bench. Uh, I can't think of his name with the Afro right now. And then you have the other uh, talented young defender, um, number 23, that they have out there on their team. And then Golden State, obviously. You got Jordan Poole. <laughs> you got Steph. You got Clay. And if it's not them, you got Memphis. They got three, four wing guards that can all play. It can all go on the court at the same time. And so if you're going to, if you're going to advance and if you're going to win and you're going to compete against those guys, you got to counteract that with your own. And the heat they have hero who can play, who can go. Save big on brunch for mom all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or seven up all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You have Oladipo, 
who's proven that he's in great shape now, that he can play and he can go at a high level. Then obviously we have Jimmy Butler, who we know can play and he can play and go at a high level. And like you said, you have Kyle Lowry. So Spo sees the big picture and you have to have that if you're going to beat Memphis, Golden State, Phoenix, Milwaukee, or Boston. You, you just got to have three three guys out there at a high level who can play not just defensively, but offensively. So I think Spo understands that. I'm like, far, I, I, want Alex, I want Alex to follow from a strategic standpoint, but I just to go back in time here a little bit, we've always kind of said that Eric holds a couple cards in his pocket for the playoffs oh. that, right. That, that he doesn't go to everything right away. And this feels like, you know, a couple of years ago in the bubble, it was Dragic to the starting lineup, right? Like he hadn't done that the whole year. He was going to go to that. But I remember there were some during your time there. I remember him putting Mike Miller into, into the starting lineup after Mike hadn't played a whole lot. And that was a sub that was made uh, in, in our, did you guys kind of anticipate that that was going to happen going into the playoffs that maybe again, there, I mean, he put, I remember that it didn't work, but in 2014, the last game in San Antonio, you know, I, I remember Rio came out and, and Ray went in into the starting lineup, uh, I believe in, in that last game. Did you guys kind of anticipate that ki that kind of stuff might happen that, that all of a sudden you were playing one way a whole year, but like you might go a different direction during the playoffs? Well, during practice, you try different things. So different lineups play with each other in practice. Um, and then when it's game time, you're a professional. One thing Spo always talks about is stay ready. And when he says stay ready, he's, that's exactly what he means. Be ready because you never know when he's going to call you a number. And so you always prepare for the unexpected. But I'll tell you one play we used to practice all season long, and we only ran it one time. And it was like, it was so funny because Spo called the play and nobody flinched and nobody had seen the play. We had practiced it every day at the end of practice. We, um, it's a end of the, end of the shot clock, end of the clock in game type of play where we run like a, a rip screen throw it to the guy, the guy dribbles baseline. Then we set a hammer screen on the opposite side for Ray in the corner for three. We will walk through that at the end of practice every day. And sometimes guys would be like, oh man, we doing this play. We ain't never gonna run it. And at the end of the season, one time, the one time and we executed it and made it. And it was just like, that's the example of like Spo. He always keep that spade in his pocket. And that's why for us as players, we have to always stay locked in because if we didn't practice, concentrate and practice on that, we might have had to waste the timeout. Or if we didn't have a timeout, we would have had to have a play that, you know, a play that probably wouldn't have worked. But because everyone was locked in and stayed ready, as soon as we was in a situation, we didn't have a timeout. Spoke called it. We executed it. Boom, knocked it out. And so I think it's the same thing now. You know, I'm sure in practice there's different lineups that play together that he hasn't shown on the court yet. And that Oladipo hero Jimmy lineup is, I'm sure they've practiced together a couple of times. Alex. So that's definitely interesting to me. I've always been a proponent of, you know, having as many people on the floor who can make plays on both ends and specifically make plays with the ball in their hands. So I, I've always been a fan of the depot thing was kind of, uh, I was all about bringing him to Miami last season. And I'm just glad that it's all kind of starting to come together now during the playoffs. And in general, I'm interested to see what they do offensively, not only with Depot, but just in general. Like, it's been a lot of um, similar stuff that we've seen all season. I feel like we haven't really seen the heat tested yet by, by a great defense. It's, you know, obviously not their fault. You play who's in front of you. Uh, they've had a really, I think, uh, you know, not 
it's still competitive, but I, I don't want to downplay what they're doing. It's been really, really impressive that, you know, they're out there playing without Kyle Lowry and just racking up wins in general in a pretty dominant fashion. But offensively, that's been the concern all season. I know we asked, uh, we asked you about it last time. I just wanted to ask you, how do you feel about what you've seen from that end of the floor? I think uh, uh, we've seen more Tyler and Bam in this series after they kind of were a little bit quiet uh, against the Hawks. Is there anything that you've seen change much from the regular season? Is there anything you would like to see more from individual guys? Just how do you feel about the offensive side of the floor from what you've seen in the playoffs? Well, I feel like the Heat are doing what they have to do to get the next win, which is what it's about in the playoffs at the end of the day. You know, it's about getting the win, advancing. And when you cannot play your best and still win and still have something to improve upon, that's a, it's a pretty good feeling, you know, when you, when you don't have to play your best and still get wins. You know, obviously, you know, there's still some concerns. We, we go through those droughts where, you know, we let we kind of let Phoenix back in the game sometime or we go on shooting droughts in, against Atlanta. But that's where the defensive balance comes into play. That's why you play both sides of the ball. And so right now I, I like what I'm seeing. Um, Obviously, it doesn't look the same as other teams. You know, it doesn't look the same as Boston. It doesn't look the same as Milwaukee, Memphis, Golden State, Phoenix. It doesn't look the same, but that's not the Miami Heat way. <laughs> And the Miami Heat way is a different style than any other style. And I think styles make fights and styles are what's going to determine the different matchups, who's going to advance. And I think the Heat have the potential to match up with any style and make it competitive. Whether they, whether they win or not, I don't know. But I believe they have the players and the coach and the mentality to compete with any team, no matter the matchup. And so I, I like what I'm seeing. Like, it's like, it's not the prettiest in the world, but I like, I like that they're showing that in any situation they can execute in any situation, they can put a different lineup out there and and come up with continuity. And then any situation, you know, when they need a basket or when they need to make a play, whether it's rebounding with Bam or whether it's Jimmy taking over or whether it's creating, you know, shots for hero or the depot, or, you know, P.J. Tucker in the corner, I believe that they, they're capable of, of doing it. And they've been blown out very few times this year, which is one of the things we've noticed because yeah. they, they, they hang in. Like, they, again, they, have, they, they struggle to finish some games. Right, they, yeah, very- they, hang, they hang in there. All right, when we come back, we got some rapid fire, some of which came from our off-the-floor feed, but I do want you to tell people about Energy Cubes and how they can find it. Yes, so Energy Cubes are the best-tasting protein bars on the market made with real food, not protein powder. Um, you can find it on e3energycubes.com. It's non-GMO, dairy-free, soy-free. So, you know, those who, you know, have, you know, funny taste buds <laughs> who don't like GMO or who's soy-free or dairy-free, these, you know, protein energy bars are definitely for you and for everyone else. And like I said, they're the best tasting, you know, on the market, e3energycubes.com. Is there a code that they should use there too? I want to make sure I give that to you. Uh, there's, a, there's a discount code going on right now. It's called FITCON, F-I-T-C-O-N 22, and you'll get 25% off. All right, so FITCON 22 for Jimmy Butler, if, if you can't remember that one, or James Jones, if you want to go old school there, and we may that's see him We may <laughs> see him in the finals too. So uh, that's actually one of the questions uh, that, that, that I want to get to with you with Rapid Fire. So FITCON, uh, FITCON 22, for 25% off. And I'll post this on Twitter as well. All right. I, I got, I got a couple things and I'm just going to ask you a, a couple of these uh, questions. Some of these came from our, our feed already. Um, but, but I want to get to this. How would you, this is an interesting question because I, I saw Duncan Robinson last night 
get in for the last 59 seconds. And you're talking about a player who was a starter. He got a little ovation when he came in, but I mean, he had eight three pointers in the first playoff game and he's pretty much been out of the rotation uh, since completely in this series, I guess as a player, how, how would you handle that? Like just, uh, I mean, cause I, I know you say the right things publicly and obviously he got his contract this off seasons. He's been well compensated, but this is the time that you want to play. Like I, how, how as a player would you, would you deal with that? Well, it's difficult, but at the same time, you got to understand the same way it switched from him playing and not playing. Guess what? The next series can go back to him playing. And so, you know, I think it's been proven that at any point in time, you have to be ready to step up. So I'm sure he's staying in shape. I'm sure he's getting his shots up. I'm sure he's ready. And no, it's frustrating, but at the same time, it's a team game and the goal is to win the championship. And so, you know, you don't want to be an issue. You don't want to get in your own head, you know. So I think he's, I'm sure he's doing the right thing. I'm sure it's difficult for him, but he's seen enough, you know, they're going to need him. You know, they're going to need him and, you know, it's his job to have to be ready. All right. I got one more and then Alice jumping on the next one. I, I wanted to ask you about one thing around the NBA because uh, Gary Payton, the third has been a big factor for, for, uh, for Golden State this year. He's been a really good find for them. Um, did you see the Dylan Brooks foul? Yeah, yeah, I did. I saw it. What, what's your thoughts on that? Because now it looks like Gary Payton, he's out for three weeks minimum. I mean, at best, he's back for the finals. Yeah, I, I don't like that play. That that's that's a that's a dangerous play. Um, when you swipe, when you go for a block from behind, when a player's in the air, you have to make sure that the ball is reachable. And as you can see on that play, the ball was not reachable for him to block that shot. So what it becomes, it becomes a hit across the head, which could be a neck injury. And then when a player's jumping in the air full speed, not only are you going to knock him off balance, but it's going to knock his landing off where he can't prepare to land and that's when you see dangerous things happen like what happened so i don't like that i don't like that foul at all it's a dangerous play and um no the refs they made the right call and i hope you know i hope that um you know little gp i hope he's okay um, but you know in the playoffs you know chippy things happen but that's that's a dangerous play the one code that you never break it's okay to play physical and body check people and things like that but you never want to put a player at a risk of um you know, being hurt for the season or potentially hurting your career because this is our livelihood. And that's a player code that everybody honors. And he kind of, you know, that play was very dangerous. You know, that was a very, very dangerous play. So this is not going to be my question, but now hearing you talk about that, I'm kind of interested to hear now what uh, what, what you would have to say about the, the Draymond thing. Because personally for me, like, I just, I was kind of surprised when they had called that uh, a flagrant to, you know, the immediate, so, I mean, not, not suspension, immediate ejection, and uh, I thought that's something that you kind of maybe will just get a flagger one for in the playoffs. I thought the Jersey thing was a little weird, like something that we don't really see much precedent for. So it felt like it kind of threw everybody off. How did you judge that, that foul? W would you look at it kind of as a similar thing to what Dylan Brooks did? How do you feel about it in general? It was a different type of play, but it also, I think he deserved to be suspended, uh, not suspended, but, you know, ejected for that too. That's a flagrant too. You know, you got to think, first of all, he hit him in the face. And then he pulled him out the air. And then once he realized the mistake he made at the end, he tried to act like he was pulling him up. But no, that was a very dangerous play. He hit him in the face. It, even if it's not intentional, it's not about the intent. I don't think Draymond intended to hit him in the face, but he did hit him in the face. 
Um, and it was a bit obsessive. You know, it was a good smack in the face. If you watch it slow-mo, watch the replay. And on top of that, you pull the guy out the air. <laughs> and, but once he realized, like, oh, man, like, what he did at the end, he tried to make it seem like he pulled him up. But that was a dangerous play as well. And so it's not the same as the Gary Payton play. The Gary Payton play, I believe, was a little, was a little worse, you know, because he hit him across the head, which was a potential neck injury. He knocked him out the air, which was another risk of injury. And then the landing part, which we all saw, it became an injury, you know. So that was a different play. But I believe Draymond's was a flagrant tool. It was excessive, unnecessary. You can't be grabbing guys by their jersey while they're in the air. That's not okay on top of the smack in the face. All right, Alex, so, you got one? I, <laughs> I got, All right, I got one. Real, real quick on this one. Boston or Milwaukee? Who are the Heat seeing on the question. other side? He, all right, well, there we go. Who are the Heat seeing on the other side of this? Uh, I'm going with Milwaukee. It, it's it's, it's going to be tough, though, because I'm not saying that with the most utmost confidence, especially with Chris Middleton not playing, but I believe Giannis is the best player in the world, so I'm going with Milwaukee. All right, that's fair. I, all right. I picked the Celtics originally in the series, and after game one, it's, it's kind of made me feel bad about that pick just because Giannis is really on that level that I think LeBron has been at for so many years where it's like he can overcome some of these types of things where it's like maybe he wasn't at that point a couple of seasons ago, but especially I feel like after you know last season where he put everything together, he's just at a whole other level now where it's like even with the Celtics' incredible defense, he can overcome these things. And I kind of feel like we're going to see – I mean, you know, the Heat are going to see the Bucks now even though obviously there's still a long way to go in this series, which matchup would you prefer if you're the Heat? And I know they're going to play whoever, they're ready for whoever. And I agree with you, by the way, everything you were saying before, the type of team they have, they can throw out so many different types of problem-solving solutions out there for whatever is out there on the other side. So I feel generally pretty good about either matchup. But if you're the Heat, if you had to pick one, who would you rather play and why? Mm, That's tough because... Normally the Heat play well against the Bucks against Giannis, but playing against Boston, it's like playing a mirror image of the Heat. They have, they have a bunch of wing guys that can play both sides of the ball. Um, you just switch everything. Yeah, and you know Tatum is capable of going crazy, just like similar to Giannis as far as points is concerned. So I. It's hard to say you want to play against the defending champs, <laughs> but I believe that that without Chris Middleton, I probably would want to play against the Bucks. What about so, with Middleton? With Middleton, I want to play against Boston. I, you know, the Bucks, bro. With, with Middleton out there with Giannis, that that's that's just a problem, bro. That's that's a major problem. And when Giannis got his other guy going with him, him Drew and Giannis to start the game, that's. That's that's a heck of a lineup. That was that's like a war, you know, because you know the physicality that Milwaukee plays, well, even Boston plays with, but the the physicality that Giannis, the force that they play with with Brooke and Bobby Portis, you know, it'd be like a slugfest out there. And of course, PJ Tucker's on the other side now, so we'll see. Uh, right. we'll see how that goes. Um, that, that PJ seems like a guy who could have played on your big three teams too. He would have. He would have fit in uh, real well there. All right, before we close here, my last thing for you, and again, check out Energy Cubes. I'm going to post all of this uh, on, on our Twitter. We appreciate Norris joining us again. I'm going to give you a chance here, though, because it, we're, we're nine years out, or how many years out of this? Yeah, nine years out from this, and Heat fans are still getting slandered on Twitter and other places for leaving game six early before Ray's shot. Like, this is still going out there. We've got, we've got talk show hosts from New York and all this talking about how Miami has terrible sports fans. 
I'm just going to leave it with you here. Okay. You were, you were, how many years was it you down here? We were five years with the heat. Is that right? Five seasons. Yeah. Four and a half. Yep. Four and a half. Okay. Four and a half. All right. Do your defensive heat fans. You played all over the world now. Okay. Obviously. And you, you played on a couple teams here in the States. What, what I'm, I'm just going to leave it for you. That's all. I'm going to say, we don't even call them Heat fans. We, we call it the nation, Heat Nation, and Heat Nation is real. And so, you know, the Heat fan base is all over the world. You know, I'm, I'm still taking pictures of, you know, even now overseas of people in all different countries. You know, when I go, you know, Italy, uh, Montenegro, Spain, France, Greece, there's Heat fans all over the world, and they have our memorabilia, pictures of our big three, and I'm signing jerseys and things of that nature. So, Heat Nation is all over the world, and, you know, our fans, they do a great job. You know, unfortunately, that night, you know, they, you know, it would have took something historic for us to, to win, and something historic happened. And so, <laughs> you know, in a normal game, 18 seconds to go, you know, down five, you know, normally that game is over, but... You know, that's why they say it's not over to the fat lady sings. And so even though the Heat fans left, some of the fans left, you know, we still appreciate them, you know, a little disappointed in them. But, you know, Heat Nation has been great to me. They've been great all, like I said, they're all over the world, all over the country. And so, you know, we, we respect Heat Nation. It's not, there's not a lot of fan bases like Heat Nation. I think the only ones that can rival Heat Nation is maybe like Lakers, Knicks, Boston. Other than that, you know, Heat Nation is probably, you know, probably among the best, you know, in the world. They even had the ropes out. So um, there were a lot of people who thought that. Uh, oh, man, that you, you, I think it was the ones that didn't think it was over. Yeah, no doubt. I won't make you repeat what Ray said. All right. Uh, I do. I, I will. I will. Out of here. I will ask you to say one thing. There you go. There you go. All right. Before we close, you got to say goodbye in French. I just got to make sure you remember it. Why? Why are you trying to test me, man? It's just goodbye, Norris. That's it. I'm not asking you to you, give me a whole. You hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me let me ask you since you asking me. Let me hear you speak some French because it sounds like you know a little little wee wee. Adios. That's not. Adios. It. Right. <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs> that is not it. But <laughs> thank you for listening to the Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network.